We'll read the text for the message this morning, which is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. You can find that on page 992. Paul writing to his son Timothy at Ephesus. Hear the word of God. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, the desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, And give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sometimes we're told that we're not fair. Maybe a child has said that to a parent before. It makes us ask the question, is it right to give more attention to one person than to another? Now anyone who has been in a classroom with other children or who knows a family with more than one child, also knows that it is impossible to treat everybody the same. Some children have allergies, and so they can't eat the same food as other children. Some children are older and larger, and they need to have more food on their plates. 
Some children do extra work, and so they receive extra rewards. Others have personal struggles, and so their parents allow them to rest from their chores. In the household of God, as Timothy calls the church in 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15, in the household of God, it is the same thing. And when we look around, we see that suffering and plenty are not divided up evenly among all people. It is for this reason that Timothy in chapter, or, or, or Paul in 1 Timothy 5 uh, verse 1 to the end, chapter 6 verse 2, Paul is instructing Timothy to reflect our Lord Jesus' desire to treat different people according to their different needs. After telling Timothy to keep close watch over himself, you can see that in chapter 4, verse 16, and his, uh, to keep close watch on himself and the teaching so that he can save both himself and his hearers, the apostle goes on in chapter 5 to explain to Timothy how he must deal with all the different situations in the local church. We, we read that in the first two verses. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as he would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Like Jesus Christ does, leaders in the church will see the congregation as it is a spiritual family, as brothers, fathers, mothers, and sisters, each with their own unique needs. And they will treat them with kind gentleness and encouragement based on their age, their experience, their gender, and their calling in the church. That's the theme of, of chapter 5, verse 1, to, to chapter 6, verse 2. And in the verses that, that follow then, in that, in that section of Scripture, the Good Shepherd urges the church to honor, to honor several unique groups in the church. And you can follow along, you can see that. Chapter 5, verse 3, it's honor widows. Chapter 5, verse 17 is, is speaking about elders, that they receive double honor. And then chapter 6, verse 1, honor your employees. And since the three areas of life that the Holy Spirit speaks about are, are quite wide-ranging and different from one another, we will divide up this message into, into several weeks, to sermons in several weeks. And today, I preach to you the gospel of the first section under the following theme, the Church of Jesus Christ gives special attention to widows, providing them with, first, a safe place, Second, an ongoing calling. And third, an extended family. Now, a widow, children should know right at the beginning what a widow is. A widow is a woman whose husband has died. There are several widows in this church, in our congregation. And they can, each one of them can tell you that they really miss their husbands. Children and young people... Maybe your grandmother or your oma or granny or whatever 
you may call her. Maybe she is a widow. And maybe you already thought about how hard it would be for them to, to lose their best friend after so many years of being together. You might think that you can be their new friends. But even if you go every day with your parents to visit their mothers who are widows and, and be assured your grandmother would love this, it still won't bring things back to the way it was. Maybe you cannot even imagine it, but when a woman marries her husband, they become one flesh. And their very identity is shaped and formed by the constant presence of the other person, their husband. And so when her husband dies, a woman often feels like a part of who she is dies with him. And you widows, you know very well how it feels. For so many years, your identity and your place in the community have always been tied together with your husbands and, and their calling and participation in the church. But when he dies, you right away feel that you are alone. Even the relationship to others in the church can change. And for many of us, it can become much harder to be active, an active part of the church community after your husband dies. It's similar to the experience of the widow's in the Old Testament, whose place in the promised land was connected to the tribal land that technically only belonged permanently to the male members of the family and tribe. And so a widow's hope in the Messiah kept her on the plot of land in the promised land, but without her husband to work the land, it was not common for widows to experience economic hardship, poverty, that makes them, made them vulnerable to greedy men who could take advantage of their weakness. Mark 12, verse 40, talks about the Pharisees devouring widows' houses. Isaiah 10, verses 1 to 2, shows how people were gathering, getting rich off vulnerable widows. Well, today, the social care in our country is better. It's better also than most other places in the world. And if you travel, you can see that, that women, uh, widows, suffer a lot more from poverty associated with their husband's death than, than we see around us today. But this does not take away from the fact that it can still be very difficult to be a widow, even in the congregation here. Even when things were not going well in a marriage or when illness makes a man's life miserable, husband's life miserable, it's a very hard thing to continue on with life after your husband has died. And what a blessing it is to know that God wants his covenant people and his church community to be a safe place for widows to turn to. When we think of the situation of widows, we, we're, so, we're so thankful to have a God 
like we sang about in Psalm 68, verses 3 and 4. And when we look to scriptures, we see that God is, is very practical, very down to earth in his relationship with his church on earth. He knows how challenging it is for widows in the church and in the world. And he upholds their cause as his own. In Psalm 146, verse 9, we, we read that. He is the protector of widows. A beautiful way to describe the God we worship. It says a lot. The strong words he spoke in Exodus 22, verses 21 to 24. They underline how serious he is in providing a safe place for widows among the people of God. I'll read the verses to you. It's Exodus 22, 21 to 24. Here the Lord says, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. And then we see, brothers and sisters, there is no better place for a widow to be than under the protective care of our heavenly, all-powerful Father who commands all the children of his household, of his family, to look after widows with special attention. Although the office of deacon didn't exist yet in the Old Testament like it does today, Every time that the people of Israel gathered together for feasts, God's people were commanded to bring along a special portion of food and support for the widows. And so it happened that Job knew that his love and his care of widows was a testimony of his righteousness and his, his faithful service to God. It's, it's the mark of faithfulness. Joe, what makes you think you're righteous? Well, I help widows. I've never turned a widow away. Every person, every person who is in God's church, young and old, they will want to think about how they can make their congregation, this congregation, Emmanuel, a safe, good place for widows. When the Apostle Paul uses the word honor in our text today in verse 3, it is clear that he did not just mean honoring them with our words, but also honoring them with our actions, with visits, and with financial support as they need it. In the Old Testament, God established that the financial support of widows was a holy service. And if you open your Bibles in Deuteronomy 26, verse 13, you can see that the contribution given to the vulnerable was called a sacred portion, a sacred portion of your income and your gifts. Sacred. In God's eyes, any help given to the widows was considered a most holy offering to him, a sign of sincere and true godliness. 
A failure to help widows was a sign of rebellion against God. An idolatry worthy of the punishment of exile. And you thought you were just going to visit Oma. It's a sign of godliness. It's in this context that Jesus was so disturbed that the Jewish leaders of the church were guilty of devouring widows' houses, the, the leaders. And although there were wealthy people who put large sums into the offering box out of their abundance, they had ignored that widow so much that she became so poor that she had to decide between her food for the day and her contribution to God. What a horrible shame. What, what a low point in the history of the church of God. What a testimony against the church in that day. The Lord Jesus noticed right away because it was a complete hypocrisy to call oneself a, a follower of God's law, to, to enter with all the nice clothes and to put the offering into the, the collection plate and at the same time so blatantly disobey the heart of the law, which James summarizes when he says what we read when we walked into church today, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. When the Holy Spirit is active in the hearts of believers, they will eagerly desire to have the opportunity and the privilege of making their church, their congregation, a wonderful place for widows to be. After Christ Jesus arose from the dead and ascended into heaven, the first Christians made it a priority to ensure that the care of widows continued. In Acts 6, you'll read about that when it looked like, when it looked like the increased task of preaching might hinder the fair distribution of food to the widows. They appointed several men to dedicate themselves to serving at tables, to serving the widows in their need, and the poor, and the vulnerable. The church understood that the care of widows was an important confirmation of the truth that they were preaching. Why should you pay attention to, to the preaching of the gospel if you look and the people are, are ignoring the widows? But the leaders also knew that if the care of widows was done carelessly, it could hinder the strength of the gospel call. And so the church provides widows also with an ongoing calling. The opening statement in verse 3, honor widows who are truly widows, highlights that Jesus Christ cares for different widows according to their different needs. Every widow needs to be loved and received and cared for in some way. But the apostle says that only women who were truly widows needed to be honored with financial support and the involvement 
of the church in this. And the key point to notice in Paul's instruction about a special list for widows, for true widows, is that the church must use great discernment in deciding who to help and how best to help them. Just because a woman has lost her husband and is associated with the church, this does not mean that she can give up all personal responsibility and calling, that calling to serve God as a woman and a member of the church, and then, and then just live off the contributions of others. Having established that the church is a safe place, a safe community, where widows can count on the love and the support of their brothers and sisters. Paul is not ashamed to urge Timothy to command the widows to recognize their ongoing calling in the church. The Lord Jesus warns the church to discern between the different widows that come to them for help based on the different situations of their lives. Not every widow is a mother or sister in the Lord. That time, it's possible that some are just pretending godliness as a means to, for gain, as you read about in 1 Timothy 6, verse 5. Paul calls the widows who like to live in luxury and, and self-indulgence. In verse 6, he calls them dead even while they live. Instead of seeking to serve and to love others, and you can really see that contrast in, in the context here, the widows of, in this category that Paul is speaking about are, are selfish. He says, pay attention because there are some who, who love money and who desire to manipulate the church in, in her calling to show mercy to the widows. But that shows they don't have the Holy Spirit. The church at Ephesus at that time, there were, there were these selfish widows who, who were only matched in their selfishness by the selfishness of family members who refused to help widows and their families and who denied the faith to the point of being worse than unbelievers. Read about that in verse 8. And so we see that if the church is not discerning and clear, about the widow's ongoing calling, it can bring reproach that Timothy mentions, or Paul mentions in 1 Timothy 5, verse 7. Now we see that, that clear message that comes through all the texts and it, it reaches the heart of every one of us, whether a widow or not, if a person does not dev devote their lives to serving those in need, they need to be called to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ before they will be honored by the church. And then we look back to our text, we see that Paul distinguishes between widows who were older than 60 years and widows who were younger than 60. He wants the church, he warns the church, not to give a regular ongoing income to a young widow based only on their status as widows and without considering other factors in their lives. 
Although such help may be emotionally satisfying, the examples that Paul gives show that putting young, young widows on such a list could take away their motivation for their ongoing calling as women in the church. In 1 Timothy 5, verses 11 to 12, Paul explains that if a young woman was on the list and was receiving then a regular fixed income, she may, more, she may be more hesitant to commit to one man in marriage, even if she loves him, for fear of losing this widow's support. Sort of like a person who is receiving welfare may hesitate to get a job, fearing they may lose their welfare support. Paul didn't want the church's support, the church's help, to lead a widow into the temptation to break the seventh commandment and be with, live with the man she loved without first marrying him. It would certainly be very sad if a young widow would abandon the faith, incurring condemnation for living in sin with a man because of the support she was receiving from the church. In 1 Timothy 5, verses 13 to 15, Paul continues to warn against abuses by explaining that although the church was to be a safe place for widows, it should not be a place that encourages idleness, gossip, meddling, busybodies among women. It appears that in Ephesus at that time, Women were going from house to house, perhaps even going to receive handouts from the different congregations, the help from the congregation. But they ended up interfering into the affairs of other members and then talking with other people about what they were seeing and hearing, saying things that they should not say. You might think it sounds harmless, but such behavior was so wicked so harmful to the church that Paul says that these flitting, interfering young widows had already strayed after Satan. Reminds us of our confession that gossip is the devil's own work. And the principle that Paul teaches the church is that our help and our support of young widows must always encourage the young widows in their ongoing calling. It must not give the adversary an occasion for slander. Paul tells young widows in this context, I would rather have you get married, bear children, manage households, and be actively participating in the life of the congregation so that you don't give up and spiral into idleness and gossip. He says that in verse 14. So what are the characteristics of a true widow? That is, what are the characteristics of, of a widow who ought to be honored either by her family or by the church? Paul explains that such a woman is over 60 years old, has the Holy Spirit ruling in her heart so that she is daily comforted through her prayers to her heavenly Father. We get the picture of a content, godly, peaceful, praying woman 
who has a reputation, that means she's known by many people as someone who has faithfully fulfilled her calling as a woman, whether that meant her faithfulness to her husband or family, general hospitality, devotion to the saints, or helping the afflicted. You can see that list in verses 9 to 10. These people are like the prophetess Anna. That's in Luke 2, verses 36 to 38. True widows are like the prophetess Anna from the tribe of Phanuel, who was a widow for decades after her husband died and who dedicated herself, we read, to urgent prayer for the coming Messiah. And she did not depart from the temple, but worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day. As the church of Jesus Christ pays special attention to the widows, it will not be hasty giving help to younger widows so that they will have time to fulfill their, their calling in the church and not receive honor just because they are widows, but because they are widows who faithfully loved and served the Lord with all their heart and their life. And in that situation, you see that the church provides an extended family. The Holy Spirit makes it very clear that after an existing family has done everything they can to help, then the church provides widows with an extended family through the believing women and other members of the church. As we read the description of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, and as we see how he leads the office bearers to see to it, that the family understands their primary responsibility in honoring their father, their mother, and grandmother, who are widows. We see also our responsibility in this regard. And since some Jews were withholding care from their parents, justifying this with Corban laws, you can read more about that in Mark 7, Verses 11 to 13. Since this was happening, it was common among the Jewish uh, believers. Paul gives the clear warning in verse 8 that if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, what does that mean for you, brothers, sisters, young people? Children, it means that every family must give special attention to the widows in their family. Honoring them for the years that they dedicated and devoted to their own families and to God. Visit your mom who is a widow. Include her in your life. Get to know your Oma or Grandma or Nana or whatever living, uh, loving name you give to her. Don't forget all that she has done. Don't, don't force her to a life of self-indulgence and self-focus by ignoring her, but treat her with extra special love for, for this is the true religion. In this Christ, Jesus is seen in your life. 
The Holy Spirit urges us to reflect Christ's will in the church. As you have received from her, now give back with generosity and abundance. Deacons of the church are involved in providing help to those who are truly alone and in a permanent situation. According to the wording of our text, true widows have revealed themselves over the years as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, even after there is no family to help them. Their age prevents them from getting married again, and their life of generosity and generous service means that they don't have any big savings accounts. They need to receive their daily bread. They, they were using what they had to, to serve others. They do not have family that can help them. And so the deacons of the church serve at their tables, organize their daily bread, and ensure that they receive visits from the congregation. Verse 16, Paul makes a special mention of believing women who have widows, which could refer to more than just widows as relatives, as we read in our translation, but also to widows in their sphere of influence, widows that they know. It would seem that Paul is thinking of the example in Joppa that we read about in Acts 9, verses 39 to 40, which tells us about Dorcas, who is also known as Tabitha, who was loved by all the widows in the town because she made them tunics, and other garments. Paul instructs Timothy to, to ensure that everyone in the church works together so that the true widows experience the love of their spiritual mothers and their sisters. Every woman in the congregation can see and understand their role in this work that we read about in verse 16 must be regularly encouraged in this work through the office bearers. And brothers and sisters, as we look at this text, we marvel again at the love and the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ who pays attention to the details in our Christian life. Let us be that church that provides a safe place for vulnerable widows by encouraging younger women to, continually, uh, to continue faithfully in their calling as women and members of the church, by serving as the family that honors those widows who have given their lives to the kingdom of God. Dear widows, the Lord understands your situation better than any person on earth can. Dear deacons, may you be discerning in your generosity. And dear congregation, may you follow the instruction and the example of the faithful deacons as they guide you in honoring all the widows, both in your physical family as well as in your spiritual family. And let us live in this love and in this communion, community, as a light this dark world. May Christ's love be manifest in the special attention that we pay to widows. Amen.